Herbert, host of Feel Free to Deviate, your new favorite podcast. This is the fourth episode of Feel Free to Deviate, and I'm going to keep the intro short because things are crazy. I have so much to do and I need to get out the door. And besides that, the episode is long and it sort of explains itself. I know you're not supposed to drink hot beverages, but... Today's conversation is with Dave Tang Olson. He's an old and dear friend of mine, and he is an assistant professor of art at Wellesley College. If you listen to the other episodes of this, you may have gathered that I've previously worked at Wellesley College. So yeah, we met each other there. It's a great place to meet people. Fantastic. I realized that previously I probably didn't outline this, but this podcast releases every two weeks. And as far as I know, you can get it on any of the major podcast directories. I'm also starting social media accounts. Well, I have started them, but there's nothing on them. Maybe by the time you hear this, there'll be something, but not much. Honestly, I haven't done enough research about what podcasts put on social media. So I'm going to do that. If you could send me a message to mail at feelfreetodeviate.com, making suggestions for content for social media, I'd appreciate it. Because honestly, I, you know, on my social media, I just post pictures of stuff and I don't even use Facebook anymore, but now I feel like I have to because I'm doing a podcast. It's really weird, but I'm going to do it. And, and, uh, cause I want, I mean, I want to do it right. And Facebook is the way, at least for now, I, I could just stop and say, no, I'm not going to do this. So yeah, if you could send me a message, that'd be great. Like I said, this is going to be a short introduction. So here's Dave. I invited you here today because I'm a middle-aged guy who never figured out what he wanted to be when he grew up. From my perspective, you have figured a few things out. I know who you are, but please introduce yourself and tell us what you do in general or specific terms. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for having <laughs> me. This is, a, this is a great, great pleasure of mine to be able to speak to my buddy. My name is David Tang Olson. I am a artist slash professor slash all around happy guy. And I'm uh, talking to you from uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts, where it's, you know, in the low 90s today. So I'm a little sweaty. I I actually had the AC on before this interview just to kind of cool off the room. And I had to turn it off, obviously, because I didn't want we want maximum sound quality. Yeah, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, and migrated east as far as I could in the continental United States of America. That is true. That is very true. And we're going to get to that. My first follow-up question, because I'm a professional interviewer now, is what did you want to be when you were a kid? When I was a kid, I had a best friend named uh, Joaquin, and the two of us were like very, very into the military. We would dress up in fatigues. We'd go to the uh, army surplus store and buy canteens and utility belts and, you know, hats, medals, anything that could make us seem like we were like the coolest military kids on the planet. We would kind of debate which was better. Do you want to be in the army? Do you want to be in the air force? So that really was like something that I thought I was going to do for a very long time. What's interesting is my friend Joaquin actually did join the military. (laughs) He went to the Air Force and uh, yeah, he did a tour of duty in Saudi Arabia. I, on the other hand, didn't quite want to join the military. I actually even tried. I think I did try to go to like the military academy. I I did try, but, you know, I wasn't cut out. To be, I wasn't smart enough. I'll just what? be honest with you. Come on, you not smart enough? How could that possibly be? Well, what were you applying yeah, for? For? What, for what I wanted to do, it was like I wanted to go to the military academy in like Annapolis, right? I was going. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 my yeah. decision was go to the Navy, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't have. The you need like a senator I, to recommend you to ex- get in there. Ex- and, and exactly, stuff. and I actually tried. So my dad works for the state, right? So uh-huh. he was trying to get. He mentioned it one time, oh, I'll try to get, you know, the governor to like give you a pass. And obviously I don't even think he tried, but my alternative was to go to the Cal Maritime in California to at least like become, uh, I wanted to be like an engineer in a ship. I actually had a friend who went to Cal Maritime, actually the woman I went to uh, prom with, Mari Wells. And hey, Mari. Uh, 
<laughs> and I flew down to, to California. It's out, it's in the San Francisco area. And I went and stayed the night, this uh, Maritime Academy. And, and I got like a real glimpse of what the military was actually like. And it scared the bejesus out of me. I immediately uh, went home and erased any inkling of ever wanting to go <laughs> into the military after that moment. So it was, uh, it was a good experience to like erase that. I had to like hurry up and come up with some other vision for my future because that that had like literally been what I thought about all the time. I knew I didn't want to go to the military after that experience. I also, this is kind of digressing a little bit. You know, my father was an artist. I knew like from a very young age, I never wanted to be an artist <laughs> because my father was an artist and he was a tragic, tragic hero, soul, whatever you want to call it. It was just very, very, um, it was also very discouraging. So those are like the kind of the two things at that po moment in time when I was like, you know, 18 years old that I knew I didn't want to do. Obviously. <laughs> you can't escape your destiny, Dave. <laughs> yeah, you can't escape it. <laughs> it's your destiny. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's so at a young age, yeah, that's all I thought about. All right. Now, I'm going to try to remember what you just said because I was thinking immediately, how did that work out for Joaquin? Was he into it? <laughs> yeah, well, Joaquin, he was not <laughs> into it. So he joined the Air Force. I don't really know what happened. He ended up becoming a military police officer since he was actually like living the dream. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> We like to say, sorry for laughing. <laughs> our, our childhood dream, you know, I was always like, hey, Waki, what's it like? He's like, yeah, it's not what I ever thought it was going to be. You know, it's hot here. It's like 150 degrees. Or, you know, he would yeah. always talk about like how hot it was. And I was like, well, what's it like uh, to be in Saudi Arabia? Well, it's, it's, he's like, it's interesting. It's like the base that we're on is basically the size of San Francisco. You know, I don't know if this is true, but this is what he described. Like, imagine San Francisco, and that's how big our base is. But I'm like, oh, that's pretty big. He's that's like, yeah, and we can't leave the base. And I was like, oh, why not? He's like, well, before, yes, when we would, when we were in your station in Saudi Arabia, you'd be able to like go out and, you know, check out the town. He said, but what happened was, is you'd go and check out the town and you'd turn a corner and you'd come across like a stoning of a human being oh, <laughs> or, wow. or, a, or a hand chopping offing. So we decided that, you know, maybe we shouldn't let people wander off the base to like witness something that would might traumatize them forever. <laughs> yeah. a, friend of mine from, a friend of mine from high school joined the Coast Guard and he was all gung ho about it. He loved the basic training, you know, he, all the camaraderie and all the, the whole, yeah, I'm a, I'm a true man thing. But he got really bummed out. <laughs> like basically he was po he was in florida and basically he was just constantly turning away refugees you know like, <laughs> how disheartening is that your job is to like these desperate people want to come and you're just like nope sorry dude laters over and over and over again i don't think it's a good life i mean unless yeah. you really hate foreigners uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> you definitely gave like a vivid description of it and it didn't seem like a great thing yeah, he was a professional poker player after that, nice. and then uh, now he's uh, now he sells cars. And yeah, we're still it's we're a still good living, friendly. Yeah, yeah, Toyotas and a good car on top of that. Reliable. <laughs> you get your money's worth with Toyota. Hey, Toyota, if you want to sponsor this podcast, I'm your guy. Toyota, nice solid cars. I got I got distracted. Now we talked about Joaquin. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to follow up on was a similar experience that I had. I mean, not with the military, but when I was in when I was in high school, I was a, a football player. I was pretty decent. And I went on a recruiting weekend to a small engineering college in, in upstate New York to play Division three football, which is very low stakes. Nobody knows anything about Division three football. But I went there. My mom drove me up. I stayed in the dorms with some with some guys and we went to a party, basically. And then we went to another party and <laughs> there was a pre party with just dudes drinking a lot. And then there was the next party and there were a couple of girls there. And then we went to a proper house. I don't know if it was a frat or if it was just a giant house or whatever. But each party got worse and the people became 
not physically ugly, but I, I hated it so much. <laughs> I'm not going to say it was the worst night of my life. First of all, before everybody was drunk, we're just standing around with all these prospective football players and everyone's just talking about their stats. I was a pretty good football player, but I don't know what my stats are. I just played because I like to play and, you know, I did a good job. And these guys are like, yeah, this number sucks. So that was insanely boring to start with. Had nothing in common with any of these dudes. And then they just start getting drunker and drunker and then they're having fun. And as you know, I do not drink. I just stayed as sober as the most sober guy in the world. In this college frat house scene, people started coming up to me saying, you're stoned right now, aren't you? You're stoned. Uh, no, I'm, I'm totally sober. Dude, dude, it's okay. If you're fucked up, dude, it's okay. It's like, no, I'm, I'm not, but you know, thank you for your permission to get fucked up. And then, and then one guy kept telling me that I looked like, what's his name? Uh, Kim Thale from Soundgarden because I had long hair. Like, first of all, I, I look nothing like that dude. Like, I don't know what his ethnicity is, but he doesn't look like me. He's much, he has darker skin. He has curlyish hair. I mean, we both had long hair. Right. That was the extent of, of what we look, of us looking like. Anyway, at some point in the night, I just left. It was freezing. It wasn't, it's not, it was it Schenectady or I don't remember. It was one of those, one of those upstate towns that's freezing cold in the middle of the winter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just walked back to the dorm, went to bed, got up as early as I could <laughs> and didn't go to the next session of stuff for the you recruiting. Knew, I was just were, like, nope, not out. into this. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, this is the worst. <laughs> and I left. Um, but anyway, you decided that it wasn't for you. I decided that that wasn't for me. Perhaps exactly. I should have made a different decision. <laughs> but what's the next step? Not really knowing what I was going to do. I, I was very fortunate. You know, I did get into some other colleges. I didn't like put all my eggs in one basket. I also applied to Western Washington University, which was in Bellingham, which is in the same town that I went to high school, which is actually next door. So that was like, you know, a pretty safe bet. And then I also applied to the University of Washington and I got in there, fortunately. And I applied to like Cal Berkeley and Stanford. I did not get into those schools, but I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be cool to, you know, go back to California where it's like sunny and nice, but I didn't even get a response. I must've like filled the application out wrong. You sent it to the wrong building. Back in those days, I had like zero help from my my family or Tell the school counselor. You're, they're just like, oh, are you going to go to college? I'm like, yeah, I guess. They're like, well, Good go luck. fill out applications and do it. I was like, okay. You know, there's no internet or, you know, I was like, okay, then what do you do? You get to like mail a letter. You get these crappy <laughs> books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so at least I did like enough due diligence to like get into a school. So I decided I wanted to go to the University of Washington to get out of my hometown. Right? I thought, like, maybe that's a good step. Like, I'll go to the University of Washington in Seattle. It's actually where my dad also went to school and graduated from. So I thought, oh, that'd be nice. It is your destiny. And yeah, it was, it, was, it was something. But the, I guess the cool part about it is my Aunt Julie, her really good friend from when she was in her 20s and her, her younger years ran the photo lab in the basement of oh. Ain Hall. And it was a photo lab that support is called, it worked, it was called classroom support services. And basically what they did is they provided faculty with slides for their lectures. Um, it also had a black and white photo lab that printed prints for publications from the archives that included, you know, Imogene Cunningham's work, uh, you know, lots of archival footage. The, the Curtis brothers um, or is another name that was in that archive. So anyways, she's like, hey, you should go meet my friend Stan, Stan Shockey. And, you know, if you want to, you can probably work in this photo lab and you'll have a job and you'll be able to like get a little money and, and learn a skill. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. So I went in the summer before my freshman year started. I moved into like the temporary dorms. And this is, I mean, this had a, had a profound impact on like the rest of my life. So mm -hmm. I went to this photo lab. 
I never have developed film in my life. My sister took uh, black white photography yeah. in high school. So like I was like, Christina, I need a crash course. Like, How do what, I do this? What, what is all this stuff that I'm <laughs> going to interact with? She's like, well, you know, and she like kind of showed me her stuff. I, and it didn't like sink in. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. No, you kind of have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I met Stan and it was in the basement of, a, of the large lecture hall on campus. And he said, like, you're hired. Wow. And I was like, what do you want? He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm thinking about maybe studying medicine or science, something like that. He's like, you'll be an artist. <laughs> no, he didn't. Like, yeah, he, no, he did. He said, you'll be an artist. Don't worry. <laughs> it's just, it's just what happens. This, you know, this job's going to like, you know, make you want to do art. I was like, okay. And they, they, he put me to work immediately. He took me to the back of the photo lab, there's a huge, not you know, a really large lighting studio with like 20 foot ceilings, you know, probably like maybe a couple thousand square feet. And inside the, the studio, there was like a life size sculptures of firefighters, you know, putting what? out a fire because they were they were photographing it. Um, These sculptures, for like some of the like portfolios. Actual... the actual sculptures. That's how big the lab was, right? That's so, so crazy. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that's. That's pretty interesting. And then he took me to the corner and he's like, this is, this is, you're going to be your first job here. And I was like, Oh, okay. What, what is that? He's like, you're, you're going to make copy negatives or safety negatives of these prints. And I was like, okay, what's that? He's like, this is a camera. And it's basically a camera. It's about as big as like a dining room table. It you know has bellows. It's on rails. It's a, it's like a World War II copy camera that they use to make copies of satellite pictures and things oh. like that to mail off. You can do like up to like eleven by fourteen negatives on it. Holy crap! <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's how big the bellows were. It had like this like kind of glass table that you could put photos in. Shut the glass. You know, it was like had clips. Yeah, yeah, you'd yeah, Lift yeah. that glass up, and then you would take photos. And he is like, all right, here you go. This is what you're going to do. Here's this giant stack of eight by 10 contact prints that they made from like the original, like were like glass contacts from glass, eight by 10 glass. Yeah. And you're going to make safety, you know, negatives, like basically backups of these glass negatives. Right. So that is super cool. <laughs> yeah. That, right? that is really, really cool. <laughs> I know. I was, my mind was like blown. I was like, this is all so unfamiliar, but also probably just like, yeah. so antiquated and strange and definitely so, antiquated uh, <laughs> so i would put these like you know eight by ten contacts into this camera and he showed me the the four by five film and they were all like they're in loaders oh you were backing um, them up on four by five yeah four ah, by five okay. safety negs yeah so so yeah so he said like you know there isn't that much to know about this because this camera is already set up so he would just show me exactly what settings to put them at. Mm -hmm. And then I would put the film in, you know, pull the, 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 the black piece of, you know, dark slide, Dave, it's called out. the dark slide, dark slide. Yeah. There you go. See, still don't know the terminology, <laughs> even though I did this for 10 years of my life. And then I would shut the shutter. And by the end I had 20 pieces of exposed film that I needed to develop. And he's like, okay, good job. You know, this took like, you know, a few hours of me like sweating. Like he just left. Like, <laughs> you know, so I did this. <laughs> and he was like, okay, now you're going to develop the film. I'm like, okay. So down the hall from this large studio, there was a narrow long room with a huge sink that went from one side of the room to the other. Three stainless steel tanks full of like some stinky chemistry. He's like, okay, now we're going to develop the film. This takes about 20 minutes and you're going to be in the pitch black. I was like, ah. And you've never done it before. Whoa, I've never done it before. And Are you using trays or hangers? Probably hangers. Hangers, yeah. yeah. So he closes the door, turns out the lights. Like he, he, he didn't really say much too, which is even more awesome. Like he just like kind of would be like, all right, next we're going to do this. And we just go to the room. He turned off the lights. I just hear all this like noise and shuffling a next fan, to me. Like, some weird fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him like opening all the holders, putting the film. And he would like kind of grab my hand sometimes. It's like, this is the hanger. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to like, like flip Find the little, little top thing. And slide it. Yeah. And then he's like, this is the tray. Tank. You know, the film holder tank. So he did all this stuff and like, it was just clinking and clanking and like, <laughs> you know, weird little noises. And he kind of like would be like, okay, pick it up. And then he like grabbed my shoulders and turned me around. <laughs> and then he's like, now put it in tray number one. I was like, tray number one. Uh, you know, I ducked it in. I set the timer for like five minutes. 
I did that. And then that like became my job. You were just, <laughs> you know, that's, you were just shooting these things in processing for five sheet film all day. Every day. Yeah. All day, you know, like three hours a day, two hours a day. And it was like my part-time job. Right. So, but actually for those, that first month, that's, it was like a full-time job. I just went there for eight hours a day. I made $2 an hour or $1.75 an hour. That's big money. Yeah. It was, yeah. That was, you know, it was big money back then. I mean, tuition was only like $400 a quarter. So I was able to. <laughs> that's that's fairly reasonable. Cost. Yeah. That's almost, <laughs> State the, yeah, school. that's, that's, that's manageable. So yeah, I, I did that. And then I did start to like photography. I never took pictures before that, but I had like an unlimited supply of there, that's a like, pretty sweet connect. Yeah, we would load films, so we would get hundred foot rolls. Oh yeah, you know, T Max four hundred, and that, like it. one of my other jobs was to like, you know, load cartridges, canister, cartridges, Got and, you canisters, whatever. Yeah, sorry. Canister, yeah, film cartridges, and then yeah, then I'd be able to use them, and then I would develop my pictures. You know, I, I wasn't super proactive printing the film. So uh, like just during the pandemic, I was uh, looking, you know, for things to do because I'm inside and I found lots of lots of negatives that I had never, ever printed. <laughs> I saw some on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was scanning. Yeah, and it was cool because they were photos that I definitely had never I might've had a contact sheet on of them, some of them, but not all of them, you know, some of them were just unknown negatives, but to go back, I, I took this job and then a lot of the other people, like the people who were printers, I was like the studio copy negative guy, but then they hired a lot of photo students that printed all day. So there'd be like five or six undergrad photo students that would come in and print all these photos in the dark room. So I like started hanging out with these artsy kids and they seemed fun and interesting. And they were always like working on like really kind of, you know, at the time I thought were like nonsensical projects. Like this guy's like, look at this. I made a movie of myself as a bee. I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Why and would like, you do that? <laughs> yeah. Is that an actual example? Did was it himself as a bee? Yes, it was a bee. So you know, he would take he would take pictures of himself. I, I don't know if he had a timer or what, but he would you know he would jump up in the air and like you know, oh, put his oh yeah yeah people kids it was like, like that. all the rotoscoping. I mean, it's like huge now, right? You see it all over, but it's it pretty jumps. complicated to do that. Back sure, in, sure. You know, nineties, right? So. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of really cute girls that worked there. That's a bonus. <laughs> so, I mean, we're I talking, like, like we're, this is a long time ago. You're, you know, yeah. early twenties, late teens. That's, that is perhaps the biggest bonus of any job. Right. I mean, let's just, let's be honest right now. I worked in so, an ice cream and, shop. Yeah. You know, yeah. like not only is there ice cream, but there's also cute girls. Yeah. So I was like, man, how do I take these classes where all these like girls are at? There was other reasons I started taking art classes, but. But it was mostly was the girls. Yeah. It took, uh, it took a 2D design course. So what you're telling me is that it wasn't the passion to create. <laughs> or, it wasn't the passion to create. It wasn't a singular vision that drove you to, to the art department. Absolutely not. It was like, I'm going to take a class where there's like some cute girls. And I wanted something too that wasn't as hard. So, <laughs> yeah, art is hard, dude. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I mean, yes, it's it's hard. It but can like, be. the other course I was taking, so I was like, so I ended up joining what was called a cohort of engineering students. Like they asked you, "What do you want to be?" I was like, "I'm." I still kind of thought I was like, maybe I'll still be an engineer. You know, I had a cohort of all these other freshmen, and we all take classes together, and I took. Calculus, English composition, and I think there had to be like a science course in there as well. It might have been biology or 101 or something like that, but I failed all of those classes. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, well, I, well done. I mean, and I remember it was like so devastating too, because calculus was like, how many of you are pre med? And like, you know, half the class is yeah. in their head. It's like, you will all fail. It's <laughs> like, it's it's less than one percent of you will nice. you know go on to continue this i was like wow this is like kind of a dick thing to say to like these freshmen so that was discouraging and i uh it's yeah, like I, in the I, movies it's like a scene out of a movie 
it is. Like the, it's really- all these scared freshmen are sitting in the or first years are sitting in the audience thinking, oh, this guy's scary. He's not scary. If they knew him, he, yeah. he's just a he's just a guy who goes home and he gets <laughs> wasted. His wife hates him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I dropped that class pretty early on and then I switched to pre-calculus. And I, and I took the night course because I heard from somebody like, if you take the night easier. courses, they're easier because it's like a bunch of old people. Yeah, right, right. Are trying they go, to go, they back go to slower school. for the old brains. I actually have a really funny story about that guy. I can't remember his name, but he was my pre-calculus teacher at night. And he was very nice. I think he was like even nicer. I, I mean, this is like projecting and kind of because the story goes on, you'll understand why. And he's like, I was like, ah, didn't really know the answers, but he kind of still gave me some credit. So I was also, I was like, wow, this is really great. Like I'm going to pass this class. It wasn't doing me any favors because I wasn't really learning calculus. Right. But this, so this same gentleman, I, I really wish I remembered his name. It's okay. Um, we probably but, shouldn't say it. Yeah. If the story is anyway. going where I think it might be going. Yeah. It's going in a, a dark, down a dark path. You know, so I would see him around on campus because we're just both on campus. And one day I was out taking pictures. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm a photographer for the university. I didn't tell him I just took pictures of pictures all day long, but I was like, oh, so you're a photographer. He's like, well, I really want my picture taken. Yeah, of course he like, does. Oh, okay. And he's like, well, will you come out to my house and uh, take some pictures of me? And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Oh, and he's like, he's like, well, I mean, I mean, like a special kind of picture. I was like, elaborate. Yeah, I mean, I can do your portrait or whatever. He's like, well, I was thinking, you know, more like, you know, some like nude Boudoir. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. Uh, it's not really my scene, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think that that's, uh, I, I don't do that kind of stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course not. Of course not. But he's like, can I have your number anyway and stuff? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so... He called me like once or twice and I just like had a conversation with him about like, how's, how's teaching? <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's good. How's then, teaching? Uh, <laughs> the kids are really learning a lot. It's great. I feel so uh, fulfilled. <laughs> By the way, you, would you like to come over to my house after work? <laughs> exactly. I just was like naive. And no, didn't dude, know what was dude, going I mean, on. it's a common, the guys like that are predators though. They see... It's, 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 it's a real thing. I I had a similar, I have a similar story. It's not with photography, but there was this guy, I think he just liked long haired dudes. And my, my roommate was, was also a long haired dude delivering liquor downtown in Boston. This guy got his number saying, Oh, you're a jazz student. You want to come over and do the thing? You know, like, yeah, we can talk about jazz. Like this guy had his, his game. He was like on it, like super smart dude. He could talk about anything. So when Kevin said that he was a jazz student, he all, he just started talking about jazz and Kevin was like, awesome. We can jam. Here's my number. We'll do the thing. But what he didn't know is that Kevin had a girlfriend. And whenever he called the house, I was the only one home because I did not have a girlfriend. So he was just like, Oh, well, do you want to come and hang out? I was like, yeah, like I, I just moved to Boston. I have, I have zero friends. This is, this is awesome. I will come and hang out. I mean, how bad could he be? He's a friend of Kevin's. And it was like, it was very similar. Like the night just got weirder and weirder and weirder until he was touching my leg. And I was just like, dude, I got to go. I really got to go. I felt so awkward. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was in danger. So I can't say it's a similar situation that maybe a woman might find herself in where it would be dangerous. Like I was twice this guy's size, but (laughs) mentally he was playing games and I was like, I don't know, 19 years old. And it was really confusing and weird for me. And anyway, it was a similar thing. And, but, and then I, but the thing I say, I, I say that these guys are predators or that they have a type because before I mentioned that I worked in an ice cream store while I was working in the ice cream store, the guy came in once with the dude. And I just looked at the dude. I was like, I just, I just shook my head. I was like, dude, don't do it. Just go home. Just go home. Whatever, yeah. However he got you here, just go home. <laughs> I think that there are better ways to pick up dudes unless trying to get a straight boy is your thing. I'm guessing that if you followed him around or made a documentary about him, he would probably be trying to pick up other guys who looked kind of like you. Right, right. Yes, he was definitely had an Asian fetish because he <laughs> did talk about, oh, 
<laughs> where are you from? I guess that's what they, people would say back then. Yeah. <laughs> where are oh, you yeah. from? <laughs> I'm, chi- I'm Chinese. <laughs> that's what I usually knew when people were asking. So yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm half Chinese. I mean, I would see him all the time. The craziest time I saw him, though, is I was in grad school, and me and my whole family were in Chicago at a restaurant, you know, like, like a, for lunch, like just like hot dogs in, and guess who walks by? What? Yes. In Chicago? In Chicago. Like in downtown Chicago. He like walks by, he looks in the window, he like recognizes me, and he comes in, and I was just like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hot dogs, buddy. Yeah, he's like, I love this place. I was like, oh, that's great. And then he's like, and then he kind of like just stared silent, like silently at me for about, I don't know, it seemed like forever, but it was probably only like 10 seconds. And he's like, okay. And then he just like walked away. And everybody's like, who is that? And then of course I got to tell this, the story like, came out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that guy! Oh my gosh, you can't believe that guy! <laughs> <laughs> Boudoir. Speaking of which, there were a lot of people that were working in the photo lab. Um, you come across a lot of like nude photographs of people. Uh, that does uh, not shock me. The coworkers, yeah. yeah. And it would always be like, hey, you know, because it'd be like, you know, a middle-aged guy with like all these pictures of young naked women and you'd be like oh yeah this is you know this it's is art art and i was like it's okay. not art <laughs> yeah i was definitely definitely found that off it's not art so yeah there's a there's a there's a whole world of that i'm a photographer uh, uh but yeah so this is my what is this the, the fourth one Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is the fourth one. And what I've learned so far is, is, is it's more more or less a confirmation of something that I guess is fairly obvious, probably to most people, but maybe not. But sometimes it's good to reiterate these obvious truths. Before we get to the next phase of your career, I just want to ask you what you think about formulas for success. <laughs> do you do you do you feel do you feel like a success like it, so far it sounds to me like your your path is not particularly goal-based which is something that i can wholeheartedly relate to <laughs> what are your thoughts about that about like if i were giving advice to somebody yeah, about like yeah you know moving forward well i mean as a teacher i ah. i am asked this like often right like oh how do I become a successful artist or how to become a successful... Please let me know, you know after the yeah, podcast. Right? It's like, yeah, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I also get that from the parents too. Like, how is my kid going to like not move back in with me? And Monetize. Like, yeah. Monetize. <laughs> what I usually do, I used to be like, oh yeah, you should, you know, work really hard, try to figure out what your passion is, apply to those jobs and find out what you don't like to do. You know, as I said earlier, I, I like, that's kind of like how I <laughs> moved through life. I was like, well, I definitely don't want to do that. Right. So that was like, it's like a process of elimination. But if it comes to art, like the, like the key success is what I often say, which I, again, I'm always doubting myself, especially as I get older. So I don't know what I'm, what I say makes any sense, but some of the students come back to me years later and say like, Oh, Dave, like I took your advice. I was like, Oh man, that's what did crazy. I say? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's usually just like one liner is like, keep making art. Uh, and they're like, and like, they're like, Dave, that sentence goes through my head every day. I'm like, Oh man, I gotta really be careful about what I say. <laughs> but, yeah. like, but the, but the statistic, and I used to like say like, you know, this art thing is like really interesting. Like, I went to undergrad. I met all these like great artists, like people that I thought were some of the best artists. They were going to be like the biggest success right. you've ever heard. Like I was like, they're totally. going to be the next. And they, they probably are very, very good. <laughs> yeah. <Or maybe. laughs> no, they were, they were, I mean, they were inspiring. Yeah. But as you, as we, as, as, as we were joking about earlier, you know, taking an art class because it was easy was like kind of, you know, what people thought they were doing, but to be an artist and not easy, you know, not easy because like few people even know what that means especially if you're not an artist and then even if they kind of know what it means they definitely don't value it i think that most people when they hear that you're an artist they automatically assume that you're a painter (laughs) yeah yeah you're like a painter like picasso or caravaggio or something like that so you get like a lot of just like blank stares after that 
you know, we were again joking about like setting goals and I never ever thought of myself as like setting too many goals, but as I've like kind of gone through life, there are like these kind of markers, right? So I'd say they're more setting goals to like, you know, fulfill the time within the next four years. So for example, my friend Eric Mead, who, you know, reflected to me about my life in a way that I never like articulated to him, but he's like, you know, Dave, you just like set goals and you just like do them. Like you're like, I'm going to go to grad school in Madison, Wisconsin and become like a printmaker or whatever. And she's like, you think you went and did it? It's like, I don't do, I don't do stuff like that. You just like, you have like these kind of like longer term goals. And then he's like, and then you were like, Oh, I'm going to go teach in Boston. And then you went and did it. That wasn't really a goal like, though, was it? <laughs> no, for Did me, you ever like, think about like, working in Boston? In my, no, in my head, it was like, huh, what am I going to do now that for the next like four years of my life since I just graduated from grad school? And I was like, well, I guess the next step is to go to New York City and become like a famous artist <laughs> or right. like try to make a living. But then Cassie, my wife, was still in grad school. And, and so I couldn't just like move to New York yet. And then this opportunity came to be a teacher at Wellesley. Teaching was never one of my goals. Like in my head, I was right. like, I, I want to go to grad school and become a teacher. That was like the last thing in my mind. Actually, I was like, I'm going to keep my job at the photo lab. <laughs> so forever. I, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I would take that yeah. job and keep it forever, I think. Yeah. I actually took a leave of absence oh, from that job. Oh, you didn't even quit. <laughs> I didn't even quit because you, because you could quit. take a leave of absence to go get a term like a degree yeah like that was like a part of the union like oh, deal nice like a regulation take, protecting the worker yeah, protecting the worker i could take two years and still have my job that is because i love that job yeah man. that's a pretty <laughs> sweet know? job well that's the thing like i think also for an art space guy like that those type of jobs are the holy grail yeah. You get yeah. them and then you, you hold on to them and then, and then you keep them forever. It, you know, I used to work at Wellesley. If I didn't leave Boston, I'd probably still be there doing that job because why wouldn't I? I know that at MassArt, Steve Terlentes is uh, the, the lab guy there. You know, he got a Guggenheim while working as the lab guy at MassArt. Yeah. You know, how, like, that, that's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually, I don't even know if he's still there. I assume he's still there, but I, I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't be still there. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> because it's just too good. Yeah, it was, it was just too good. And I, yeah, I love that job. And my sister actually inherited that job oh, after nice. I left. Does she still she, have it? No, because unfortunately, black and white oh. print photo labs are not like... They don't do that anymore. It's like, And then the other like big part of that job was to make slides for faculty, which right. also... And what's a slide? Yeah. So they, they did shut that entire department uh, down. Brutal. But they still, need, they, sh they still need to make copies of things, don't they? Or do, do they just not have a department for that? Or are they just downsized? They just downsized. Like technically, because she was in the union, she could have stayed at the University of Washington doing some other job. And I think she did work for like the TV station for a little bit. Oh, that's cool. But you know, it wasn't the job that she like wanted to do. So she, you know, gave up that job security, right. I guess, to pursue uh, other things. And I think she's happier for it in, in her case. I know black and white photo. It's a magical I mean, thing. It's a magical thing, but unfortunately it is increasingly <laughs> less and less relevant. Um, although there is a, there is a, a, a movement amongst the kids to, to do analog stuff. It's not quite to the level of collecting LPs for uh, listening right. to music, I was but, say, like but it's still, it's, I mean, the, the people do it, you know, I'm sure that if you, there, there are ha hashtags you can look up on Instagram to find out what the kids are into. A lot of the time when I see that stuff, I just think it's funny. Some of the terminology that they use, I think it's funny that people call records or LPs vinyls, like not vinyl, vinyls. Like, vinyls. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's like an accepted term or if I just think it's funny <laughs> because I'm old. But uh, I've never heard any, until recently, I, I'd never heard anybody refer to uh, records as vinyls. They were always records to me until I met some sophisticated record collectors who called them LPs. And then I started calling them LPs because I wanted to sound sophisticated. Because I'm a sophisticated guy. Believe it or not, believe it or not I'm, I'm, I'm super sophisticated. Um, and L, and L, just to go, just for like uh, the Luddite in here, LP stands for long play. Is that right? Is that, that is right? correct, yeah. Dave. That yeah. is correct. Okay. I have, I've never confirmed this. I just, 
assumed it. Yeah. So you could you could also be collecting EPs, right? Uh, that would be or, extended play, but uh, yeah. I think that those would be called uh, if they're the full ten inch size. Yeah. I guess they would be they would be called. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. That's not really my thing. I know the 45s are the little ones with the big hole. Yeah. Or seven inches. Like with the hardcore kids, you used to call them seven inches. Seven inches. Yeah. yeah I got the I got the youth of today seven inch. <laughs> and the, and then old people. When I say old people, I'm not referring to me. I'm referring to people older than me, <laughs> which is hard to imagine. But but uh, but they call them 45s, I believe, and that's yeah, 45s. But the 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 hardcore kids call them seven inches. The indie rockers call them seven inches. Actually, I don't even know. Do yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, seven inches or singles. I think were the other or singles, singles, terms, right? Yeah. Do you, right. yeah, remember cuss singles, cuss singles? Oh, yes, I do. I, I never had any, them. but that, I mean, it just seems kind of worthless to me. <laughs> just buy the whole tape. Just yes, buy the whole tape. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes they would give them out for free. That's that true. Was like the, that was like the free thing yeah. at, the, at the counter. You'd be like, what's this? It's like, oh, it's awesome. You should take it. It's totally free. check it out. <laughs> it's, the hot, it's the new hotness. All the kids are talking about it. All the kids. <laughs> All right. So how was greatness thrust upon you? You you've been moving through life. Eric seems to think that you're highly goal oriented and I guess long game, maybe you are, Mm -hmm, but it seems mm -hmm. to me that there's a lot of uh, happenstance and uh, serendipity and uh, opportunity that you grab onto opportunities that you grab onto rather than I'm going for the goal. And, you know, like I'm, I'm saying this like mostly because I used to work at Wellesley. You currently work at Wellesley. And we both know that the students who go to Wellesley are laser focused. Yes. On they have. Whatever they think hard. success is. <laughs> and for them, yeah. success is generally making six figures <laughs> right out of college. Right. Which and is they usually, uh, yeah. crazy. They, it is crazy. Cause yeah, they ask like, Hey, can I get your advice? So it's like, Oh yeah, sure. And then they like discuss like, Oh, should I go to grad school or should I take this job where I get paid six figures? I was like, definitely take the job. Take the paid. money. <laughs> <laughs> Just do that for a little bit, pay off your loans. And then, yeah, then you can go to grad school. But a lot of these no, kids don't even have no, loans. That's the thing. I, mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to get into class here, but it's, it's uh, like a lot of those people don't have to worry about loans. Right. And that, yeah, that's just, again, my, you know, my mindset. I, it's that's mindset. What, thinking about like, yeah, like how do you look outside your own experiences, which, which you can, and that's why I ask people where they're coming from. Like a lot of the kids that go to Wellesley, I think there's a lot of parental pressure. I, for instance, and it sounds like maybe you did not have a whole ton of parental pressure. They're just like, awesome, fill out the application. I hope it works out for you. Whereas maybe a student at Wellesley, their mom or dad or guardian or whatever they call them these days was signing up for prep courses, talking to the dean, you know, like doing the network thing, making the magic happen behind the scenes. Yeah. And that just was not something that I ever knew about or thought about or even thought could exist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only, the only bar I had to get over growing up is my dad said he he would never bail me out of jail. So that was like, well, I guess that's, that's a goal. (laughs) Don't go to jail. jail. Uh, My mom, on the other hand, she was the, the term that is commonly used for Chinese mothers is like tiger mom. So she definitely, there's a book. Yeah, yeah, there's a book. Yeah, she definitely pressured me into not doing what I currently do, but mostly it was. Uh, Who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, she wanted me to be rich, and like that's all that really mattered. There was one point where I told her I wanted to be a doctor. She's like, "Why would Why would you ever want to be a doctor? That's like such a sad job. You're just dealing with sick people all the time." And then, like years later, she was like thinking of considering getting plastic surgery. She's like, Dave, you should definitely become a doctor. Fix my face. <laughs> and I was like, I was like uh, that's okay. uh, that ship has sailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily. You know, uh, Andrew's friend Dan went back and became a doctor right? in his, like in his mid thirties. Was it? Yeah. That was yeah. nuts. <laughs> and then we moved to Pittsburgh. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to Pittsburgh to be, go to medical school. Okay, dude. Like, wow. That is, 
that is that is ambitious. Anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, 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 really, I I like that guy. I only um, met him a couple times, but yeah, he's a pretty laid back dude, but it's, it's all, it, I was just kind of blown away that that was his, his thing. Yeah. But it's great being in, you know, academia because you get to see people that like, are not like me that like, were able to like set really great goals and succeed. You know, I think, I mean, we, we know some of these, I mean, you, you worked at Wellesley at the same time when I think of like, there's no successful students uh, and they were just like really, really great artists in ways that like, I don't think we'll ever be like Alia Rodman and uh, mm-hmm. Laura Weil. They just like, like are unhinged art makers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, they, they like had no, they, it seemed, they seem to have like no balance or like no fear, you know, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the decisions I think I made in my life was the fear of not going to jail, going to jail. I think that there's a difference, but that also could come down, that could come down to class. I, I'm not going to pretend to know the details of everybody's financial background, but you know, and I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing that if you have uh, a bit of security that you can, you know, go whole hog into something personally, I was obviously not passionate enough to do that. I, I didn't feel like I had the, the, uh, a support network for it, but then, but now like as an old guy, I'm thinking, I mean, like, so what was I going to lose? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You like look back and like, like yeah. what was I afraid of? It's not like, uh, I made it to the top of the mountain at this point by not taking any of those risks. And now I'm just, and now I'm unemployed and looking for it and getting rejected from jobs that I could easily do, but they don't think that they want me. And it's, it's just depressing. And, um, and now there are more, more barriers in place because of family and, and, and stuff that make it more difficult. So yeah, like I kind of feel like now I'm in, in a similar place that I was in my twenties almost. Yeah. Except right? that I have responsibilities now and I had no responsibilities then. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, well, now, it's, now it's not only you, right? Now, I mean, I I have a family too. I you know two kids that are close in age to your kids. And yep. It's not about it's not about what I want to do anymore. No, what, you know, it's about like what we need to do in order yeah. to you know survive. So yeah, so that is yeah. I always like that quote is always like so it all sticks in my head. I can't remember what movie it is or book. Basically, when you have children, you die <laughs> and you pass. <laughs> You just pass your soul and your dreams and your hopes <laughs> off of your children. <laughs> it's like, I hope I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just passing anxiety onto them. <laughs> Poor kids. They're going to hate uh, me someday. They love uh, me now, but someday they're, they're going to, re- they're going to resent me hard. Oh, sorry guys. Uh, I always tell people uh, too, as far as like what it takes to be successful is like, you know, all you have to do is really, it's like going to sound so cliche or can, but like, all you have to do is do what you say you're going to do. <laughs> it seems like that's like not a, that's, that's, like the, a, that's what everything hinges on. Yeah, It's like, it's like not a quality that's like particularly useful. I, maybe this is where I feel antiquated. Like, I mean, this like concept of ghosting and I mean, I was just ghosted by a client like a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's like, to me, that's like so strange that that's acceptable. Um, so when I do a project, a lot of the times my critique of what I do is like, it's like so amazing working with you, Dave, because you like do what you say you're going to do. It's, it's like crazy. so refreshing. <laughs> You know, like, like, yep, I do, and it's awesome. That's why you yeah. love me. Yeah, Jesus. like that's why they're like, that's why I keep on getting more jobs or more exhibitions or more commissions is because like I I propose something, they look at it, they're like, oh, will you change this, this, and that, and I change these things to like make the piece, you know, less horrifying or more inviting or whatever you want to call it. And then I think uh, it should be more horrifying. I, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I paint it or, you know, make it and, you know, they're happy and, and whatever. And like, I, I just don't even think that that's something that like people deal with a lot. I, I always hear about like, Oh yeah, I hired this guy and, or this person and they just stop showing up. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you hear that over and over again from everybody, from every kind of job, you name it. You know, if you're like a plumber or a construction worker to like... They just disappear. You know, Uber delivery person, like, I ordered groceries. and Where, just, are, yeah. where are my groceries? <laughs> Yeah, no. Okay. So, all right. So yeah, just show up, showing up is key. Showing up is key. Um, oh yeah. That is, that is a big one. That is a big one. That's the secret to success. <laughs> I'm going to put that on the list. I'm going to compile, eventually I'm going to have a website for this thing. I'm going to compile a, a, a list of secrets for success and just showing up is going to be very high on the list of secrets for success. I, we, I have to get going soon. I have to pick up the kids yeah, and, and soon, but, but I'm not, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the alchemy of your current position, the, or, the alchemy and the genesis of your current position, because I think that that's rather interesting in that you started teaching at Wellesley at a time when 3D was this thing that nobody knew anything about. So right, you, right. you had gone through all your schooling. You have a master's degree in printmaking. You are a master fine artist. <laughs> Yet because your dad has this engineering design background you also knew how to use autocad right right so right. how does that yeah how, so turn into the Sir Davos and empire yeah serendipity right you know a lot of it is just like like timing i mean it's timing and then like showing some interest in it so back when i was young like really young when i was thinking i wanted to go to the military my father was a naval architect he used to just be at a drawing board with a pe pencil and paper you know making drawings of ships all day long but he worked for a large uh, corporation called American Presence Lines. They made shipping containers and uh, they made ships, like container ships. They're like, we got to get the newest technology. So, you know, in 1984, they bought like a mainframe system and, you know, said like, Gary, you have to start learning how to use the computer. And you got to learn, start learning AutoCAD on the computer. And, and I was hey. like, and, <laughs> he was like, oh, I, don't, not, I don't like that. But he's like, but I guess I have to do this to keep my job. So, so yeah, so he would, lo and behold, he was a single father. So he would take my sister and I to Oakland, California to his, in this corporation to go work on the weekends or whenever he needed to, and we, he didn't have childcare. So we would go there, you know, I think there was like two of these workstations where you would like draw some lines and then you'd press refresh and then you'd go and have a coffee because like just for the screen to refresh, it took like a few minutes. <laughs> and I guess it was a little bit faster than drawing with a pen and pencil and paper, but not much. So it was like, so I like became familiar with this technology way back when. And then when I got to high school, I took drafting class and they had like two computers in the back. And I was like, what do these computers have on? And he's like, oh, they have AutoCAD. He's like, I was like, I know how to use AutoCAD. <laughs> the like, teacher's really? like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, yeah, you should use them. And so like, in a, he's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, my dad's a naval, you know, my dad was designing ferries now. This is like Oakland to Seattle to right. Bellingham. So I'm, I think I'm going to translate these 2D drawings into 3D on AutoCAD. And he's like, okay. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, had no idea like this was even possible, right? Because it was just drawing lines. Yeah. So in the drafting class, I was also like just doing isometric and all kinds of, you know, drawings by hand. So I was like, I could do this in the computer. So I started translating these like these ship designs in the 3D. And I would like make these like scenes with like the ferry boat, like in the ocean with light. You know, it took days to like render like one image. I was like, I loved it. I was like, but oh, that God, wasn't a problem because nobody else was using the computer. So yeah, yeah nobody else even touched the damn thing. <laughs> and so... I would do these things. And so I had like a floppy disk with all these like 3D things on them. And then I would, they'd ask me if I knew how to use computers. They'd be like, oh yeah, look, I have some, it's like, oh, I have a floppy disk full of these images. Or I think I had a GeoCities account. <laughs> so I had some nice. images on, online Classic. too, as time went on. And uh, so in that photo lab, the other thing they wanted to do at some point was I was like, you know, printing negatives and so on and so forth. They also needed to move into the future. So they bought... Uh, Mac clone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Know, like a quantum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't those. remember the company, but they had yeah. these Mac clones back then. And we got, like, got the most expensive Mac clone, but they didn't know how to use it. They're like, does anyone in this office know how to use this thing? And I was like, I don't use computers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just like did negatives half the time. And then I was like the computer guy, the other half the time oh. I was like, Scanning, I was scanning the slides now, scanning the negatives, burning CDs, yeah, you know, using Photoshop, touching up these like Photoshop three images. or something. 
Yeah, yeah, early, early technology. So I was doing this this computer work. Uh, eventually, I guess like the thing that like carried on into like what my career is now is um, it's always like empty computer labs, which is like kind of the common thread here, or computers that aren't being used. So, so my friends in the printmaking class named Aaron Neely, he he was taking this like three D animation class at the UW, and I was like, well, that sounds cool. He's like, show me what he was working on. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I, I know how to make 3D models. He's like, well, you should take the class. Like, nobody knows how to use this stuff. I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to totally do that. So I signed up for this class. It's a year-long class. It's called Animation Production Series. This is like my sixth or seventh year of undergrad. So I didn't tell everybody that too in this interview. I had that photo lab job that allowed me to take courses just take for classes free. forever. So I just like also just took classes. And so I took this class for free. Cause I was, cause it was a part of my, I got to take one class per quarter okay. for free. Um, so I took this 3d animation class and yeah, I like, I knew what I was doing. I was able to like make these 3d models. I was able to uh, learn the animation software. Cause I mean, I had this background and they were all like, wow, you should teach the course next year. Right. <laughs> so I was like, I should, you're right. I should. Yeah. Oh, this sounds awesome. So the next year I uh, became one of the TAs for the course. And then I like, Got my first, wasn't my first teaching experience, but it was definitely my first teaching experience in college. I was, I, you know, I helped the students learn the technology and, you know, then I learned how to animate and I, and I, uh, I had the opportunity to apprentice under a gentleman named Frank Thomas, who was one of the original seven Disney animators. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I'd fly down to LA to this guy's house. He was in like his eighties and he would like look at my animations and tell me if they were good or bad. <laughs> and uh, What do you know, old man? <laughs> yeah. And so it's, so, I mean, I liked it. I was good at it. So I did it. Right. But uh, I thought like maybe I could get a job doing it, but I was like, I don't know. You know, maybe I, I like my photo lab job. Right. <laughs> you know? so, Sweet I mean, job. So, uh, so I, you know, I never thought about that, but then just to kind of move forward. So uh, in grad school, I'm studying printmaking. And uh, I'm doing like lots of stuff. I'm kind of using the computer a little bit, but it's not like 3D animation. But there was this uh, empty computer lab at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Can you imagine? <laughs> An yeah. empty computer lab? Yeah. And uh, I was like, what are all these computers doing here? He's like, oh, the gentleman who started this lab, he unfortunately passed away. His name was George Kramer. He was the sculpture professor there who like wanted to like move ahead into the future. Right, right. people learn how to sculpt with computers. So I was like, well, can I use the lab? And they're like, yeah, go for it. Like nobody else is using it. They're like, you know how to amazing. use it? I'm like, yeah. That is true. I, I know how to use the computer. So this is my final, this is my third year of grad school. So I was thinking of a project to do and I did a 3D animation instead of printmaking. The faculty there are like, why are you doing printmaking? You, this is like, this is way better than your printmaking. Because <laughs> I mean, a lot of people just were like fascinated with technology, right? They're like, how did you do this? This is like so crazy. And I was like, it's not that crazy. And then, uh, and that's like that, and that's also the connection to Wellesley. So I'm sitting in this computer lab by myself, working on the studio animation. And this woman walks by and says, hey, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I'm making these 3D animations. And she goes, well, what do you think about teaching? I was like, yeah, I thought about it. You know, I mean, I actually, I was teaching, uh, 2D design at the university at the time. And she goes, well, you should come work at Wellesley College. I'm going on sabbatical next year. And I like the stuff that you're doing. I think it'd be great. You could totally do my job. And I was like, yeah, sounds cool. <laughs> and then I just go. Yeah. And that's it. That's how I got my job at Wellesley College is because it's a little bit more uh, involved in that. But yes, we don't need but, to talk about that here. Yeah, we that's, that's another. That. We can talk about that maybe in another podcast. Maybe you can be a recurring <laughs> yeah. guest. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but I mean, I, it's it's. I think it's good to reiterate th that skill set in terms of 3D in the art world was taboo at that time. I mean, not not taboo. I can't. It's not taboo. It was just it was just new, and nobody knew how to do it. The fact that you had those skills made you a commodity. It was yeah. I mean, that first year I had, I was, I was, I had 20 interviews 
Yeah, I know. I remember. Twenty. It was crazy. You had like spindles of CDs that you were sending out. I remember to uh, to uh, job applications and stuff in the pain cave. Yeah, yeah, in the pain cave. Yeah, and it was it was it was it was like mind boggling. I was like so many interviews. It's because yeah, I, I was like just on the you know the razor's edge or whatever you call it. Like I was just right there Dude, at the right time. I'm just gonna say this: there were so many times I thought you were gonna crash and burn, but you kept going onto the other the right side of the fence. It's just like nope, nope. And I was like, oh, that's it. This is Dave's last semester. Nope, no, he's still here. Nope. Yeah. And then no. you're doing job interviews and stuff. I'm like, Dave's leaving. Dave's leaving. <laughs> Nope. Nope. And then bang, we got it. He's there. Yeah, it, was, it was quite, anyway, just for the rest of you, it was quite a journey for Dave to get to where he is now. He has a very good job at a very good school. I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to, these are closing remarks now. Yeah. I'm going to say that the theme of this, this, this episode, the theme of this conversation is timing, experience and showing up. <laughs> exactly <laughs> thank you thank you thank you dave for yeah. doing this i hope everything keeps going well when you go back from your sabbatical thanks jim and uh yeah i mean you are like one of the most talented oh. you know hard-working people i have ever met and you know and i really really i, I really Really I wish you were hiring. Friendship. Yeah, right. If you if were hiring. Hire everybody, if I can hire somebody <laughs> for anything, it would be Jim. And I have hired Jim in the past. Yes. And, uh, and actually, just one last thing before before we yeah. stop. Uh, there's uh, That's actually something that I want to talk about because, you know, i got some time. I want to make a website about our road trip. Yeah. And yeah. it's totally nonlinear because at this time it's so long ago that I can't tell the story in, in a linear way. So I feel like I, I want to grab pictures and movies and all kinds of different things from that trip and then yeah. write about them how we remember them like, like not even where did this happen because half the time like yeah. i don't know where it happened <laughs> no, yeah. i don't know who the yeah. hell we were i mean i know the ones that were in mike's apartment and i know the ones that are in the badlands because they're yeah. bison there <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh so i want to write stuff about it but then like I thought it would be cool if you contributed to the writing as well. And also maybe, I don't know what pictures you have, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sure I have more pictures than you've seen because I, I gave you, I gave you plenty of them, but there's so many, like I've been looking through them and editing some of them I, now I, and there's some stuff. Yeah. It I have be like a cool those, site. Like, yeah. I have those Facebook clips. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, we do, we, there are, there are things, hopefully that 500 gig hard drive. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> didn't no. have anything special, oh, no. but I'm, but I'm, like I said, I'm sure that they're all somewhere. But yeah, if that's all. That stuff was all time stamped. You know, the other thing is I have that time lapse of our drive that I never did anything with. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? like, that's what I mean. Like, I, there's all this stuff and it never did anything. And, and <laughs> yeah. I had, it's not even that I didn't have time. It was right before my first kid was born and yeah. there was time, believe me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what not having time meant. So yeah, we should do we should do that. And thanks again. I, I, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. I'm sure when we're done with this, I'm just gonna say, Oh, I was supposed to say this, but you know, that's just how it goes, just like when you wreck someone's film in the film lab. Exactly. You just have to accept it. Do you have anything to say? No, no, just this is awesome. Um uh, yeah, this was this was great. No, it's good. It's like fun chatting. I'm yeah, he's been these moments have been important. <laughs> we should, def we should definitely chat more often. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to meeting in person again. Cause you were actually supposed to be here this year. Yeah. I was supposed to move to Rotterdam. My kids were enrolled in school. God damn it. <laughs> we were supposed to spend the year plotting and doing some, you know, crazy thing. I, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that we could, I mean, maybe not to the extent of the last trip, but like my, my in-laws have a camper and they don't yeah. do anything with it most of the year. <laughs> I don't know. We could have done all kinds of random stuff that would have been awesome, but there'll be another opportunity. There I, I, have a, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. All right. Thank you again. Uh, all right, buddy. See Take you care. Later. Okay, that was pretty long, but I, I think it's pretty good. Maybe I just think it's pretty good because it was me talking with a friend. 
but I hope you got something out of it. I think most people think I think most people think it's fun to hang out with Dave. He's a great guy, and he deserves all the good things. Just like the intro, I'm going to keep the outro rather short. But you can find me on social media at feelfreetodeviate.com. When I say social media, I mean Instagram and Facebook. But, you know, let me know if you think I should be on some other social media. I'm really hoping you don't say TikTok. But maybe I'd be good at that. I I don't know. (laughs) Maybe TikTok is the key to success. The next episode in line is another old friend named Ed. Ed Mubarak. The legend episode is a little bit more chaotic and it's great but i'm thinking maybe i should break it up and push him into the future because having too many dudes that i'm buddies with might offset the purpose of a podcast so i'm going to see what i can do about getting somebody else in here all right thanks for listening to feel free to deviate until next time